We're going to start off with a little bit of audience participation. Thank you. Go ahead and turn to the person next to you or someone near you. Quickly introduce yourself if you don't know them. And then, hold on, you you got to get through that part. And then, tell them very quickly about the most recent movie you have seen, whether it's at the theater or on DVD or at home. So just, just toss that out. Very good. Awesome. Okay, now, very quickly, tell them how that movie impacted you or, or how it made you feel or, or if it inspired you in some way, good or bad. Real quickly, go ahead. Now that we've gotten that out of our system, I hope you've learned something about the people around you, maybe what inspires them, or that they have horrible taste in movies, or something along those lines. <laughs> movies, as I was saying, they, they show us things about ourselves. Movies like The Bucket List, for example, remind us of things we want to do in life before we die. Movies like The Princess Bride remind us that love, true love, is worth fighting for. Uh, There's a movie called Dan in Real Life that reminds us not to take for granted the people that, that we love. Good movies have an impact on us. And there's movies like The Notebook that remind us to think twice before we go see a movie. Uh... That was for all you younger folk who thought that was the best thing since sliced bread. Um, but you know, movies are critiqued on six different categories. They're, they're reviewed and critiqued on six different categories. Those categories are setting, characters, point of view, plot with conflict, because you have to have conflict to have a good plot, resolution, and theme. Now, in the movie Shawshank Redemption, for example, the theme is, what is redemption? And today... We're going to approach chapter 14 in the story as we would a movie. We're going to consider all six of these categories of review, if you will, as we look at the story that is titled, A Kingdom Torn in Two. Our setting is 1 Kings chapter 12, but before we get to the first act, will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you that, that we can be here, that we can open up your word, that we can look at it, that we can glean from it, and, and that we can apply examples from your word to our life. I pray, Lord, that uh, there, there's a level of, of excitement and fun on Family Sunday, and, and we're going to do some things that we don't normally do. Uh, and, and I pray that as we do that, the point won't be missed. And I pray that you'll just open our hearts and our minds to your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We're going to start right out in First uh, Kings, actually in chapter 11, verse 9 through 13, to kind of set this scene. And here's, here's what happens in chapter 11. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although 
he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods. Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. I talked about that just a little bit last week. And so the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. I don't know that that makes it better for King Solomon, but that was God's choice. Nevertheless, oh, sorry, yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now we're at this place that because Solomon's heart was divided, his kingdom is also going to be divided. And now here's a quick little parallel uh, between you and Solomon, and between me and Solomon. If, if our hearts and our minds are not focused on God first, we are going to become divided. Not necessarily divided against each other, but we are going to come, become divided against the Lord. Because in your life, the order of things that are most important to you, Christians, should be God, family, job, friends, and, and it goes down from there. Now, I say that in that order because... You need your job to provide for your family. So no matter how good your friends are, some of you are going, wait a minute, I like my friends a whole lot better than I like my job. So the whole God, family, job, I want to put family or friends before job. We can't really do that because our job provides for our family. And no matter how good your friends are, your friends can't raise your family for you. Okay? Now, so to some degree, your job has to be more important than your friends. I think we can all understand that. The point is this. When we get distracted by the world, and when we get this order mixed up, our hearts become divided, and we get things backwards. We, we get overwhelmed by bills, and, and maybe by getting the next new thing, that, that we may stop tithing. We may look at our bills and go, there's just no way I can do this and still tithe. We, we get focused on maybe trying to provide for our families. We stop coming to church on Sundays because we're working that 65-plus hour a week, and you know we get time and a half for weekends, and so that makes it right. And slowly but surely, our hearts become divided, just like Solomon Listen, Solomon wasn't just worshiping the idols of his foreign wives. All right? It started out there, but because his heart became divided, he starts ruling his people unwisely. He starts overtaxing the people. He puts them into forced labor. That's slavery, in case you're wondering. Hard forced labor. As we continue into Kings, 1 Kings 12, what we find out here is that Solomon dies. His son Rehoboam takes over the throne. And the suspense is going to build. We're going to see if that was a good thing or a bad thing. But before I go on, I made a very brave decision. And I asked three young people to come and help me out this morning. You know who you are. Come on, guys. Let's go. We only got 47 minutes. All right. This is Hunter, uh, Natty, and Katie. Not necessarily in that order. Uh, this is not Hunter, just so you know. Um, all right. Now, here's what's going to happen. They're going to help me work through this whole thing of a kingdom torn in two. They have no idea what they're going to do, except they're going to do exactly what I say. That's what they promised to do. So here's how this works out. Rehoboam is Solomon's son. I just introduced you to him, and, and he is from the tribe of Judah. Our next character is Jeroboam, who is from the tribe of Ephraim. Now, Hunter is going to be playing two roles this morning. First, he is King Solomon. So, Hunter, I need you to say this for me real loud. Let's see if I can... Turn this on, right? On, on. There we go. Test. Ooh. You don't get to hold it. All right, you ready? <laughs> yeah, actually, come over here, Hunter. You need to be right here beside me. Okay. Now, you're, gonna, you're, you're starting off your King Solomon, okay? So the first thing you're going to say is, I am wise but dumb. I am wise but dumb. 
Very good. Now, you're going to say, my heart became divided. My heart became divided. Good. Now you're going to die. Die. <laughs> Not bad. Not bad. Big hand. Yeah, all right. You're not dead anymore. Come on up. All right. Okay. Now, now you're a prophet. That's okay. Leave that down there so I know what to do next. Good job. They're giving away all the secrets. <laughs> all right. You're not dead anymore. You are now a prophet. And we're going to get to that in just a second. Okay. You're actually, you're the prophet Ahijah. Say, hi, I'm Ahijah. Hi, I'm Ahijah. Good job. I had a hard time saying that. Katie, you are Jeroboam. Say, hi, I'm Jeroboam. Hi, I'm your bone. All right, good deal. Guess who Rehoboam is? Natty. Say hi, I'm Rehoboam. Hi, I'm Rehoboam. Good job. Now, in case you're wondering, where is he going with this? This kingdom that's about to be torn in two is torn in two by brothers. Now, I know they're not all boys. I get that. But this is, this is our family resemblance for King Solomon's family today. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 29 through 40, a prophet tells Jeroboam that he will become king. Where are you at, Jeroboam? Come here. No, turn this way. There you go. Because you guys are going to talk, but not really. So they're talking. And here's what he says. He says, About the time Jeroboam was going out to Jerusalem, and Ahijah, the prophet of Shiloh, met him on the way, here wearing a new cloak, the two of them were alone out in the country. And then Ahijah took hold of the new cloak he was wearing, and he tore it into 12 pieces. He then said to Jeroboam, and repeat after me, Hunter, you ready? Take 10 pieces. Take 10 pieces. For yourself. For yourself. For this is what? For this is what? The Lord. The Lord. The God of Israel. The God of Israel. Says. Says. Good job. You know it. And now he's going to tell you what the God of Israel says, so pay attention. You need to know this. See, I'm going to tear the kingdom... Uh, see, I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand. Out of Solomon's hand, and give you ten tribes. And then, and give you ten tribes. Good job, Hunter. Verse thirty-two says, oh, "Go ahead, okay. Get the mommy clap out of it. From here, we'll hold applause till the end." <laughs> but verse thirty-two says, "But for the sake of my servant David and the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe." I will do this because they have forsaken me and worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Melech, the god of the Ammonites. Now, and have not walked in obedience to me, nor done what is right in my eyes, nor kept my decrees and laws as David, Solomon's father, did. Verse 34, but I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant, whom I chose and who obeyed my commands and decrees. I will take the king the kingdom from his son's hand and give you ten tribes. I will give you one I will give one tribe to his son, so that David my servant may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to put my name. However, as for you, I will take you and you will rule over all that your heart desires. You will be king over Israel. If you do and we talked about this, this is a repeating thing. If you do whatever I command you and walk in obedience to me and do what is right in my eyes by obeying my decrees and commands, as David my servant did, I will be with you. I will build you a dynasty as enduring as the one I built David <clears throat> for, for David and will give Israel to you. I will humble David's descendants because of this, but not forever. Verse 40, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam fled to Egypt to Shishak, the king, and stayed there until Solomon's death. 
the Bible also tells us that Jeroboam refuses to wait. Bad Jeroboam. <laughs> Jeroboam rebels against Solomon. Let me see your rebellious face, Katie. Show them. That's a good eye. That's impressive. All right. Now you stand right over there for just a minute. Nope, nope. Natty, you come back. It's about to be your turn. There we go. Okay, so the point of view, as we've gone through this story, I've shared with you that, that, that many times there's an upper story point of view and there's a lower story point of view. And this point of view shows us that God's perspective as he goes about fulfilling his purpose. And there, there's also a lower story point of view here that gives the daily details of what's going on while this is happening. And in this lower story, we see the life of Rehoboam unfold. You ready? Here we come with the plot, ladies and gentlemen. In every good story or movie, there's a plot. We talked about that. And that with conflict. And our plot with conflict is recorded in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. And it goes like this. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nebat, heard this, he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon. He returned to, from Egypt. Come back, Rehoboam. Or no, you're, yeah, you're Jeroboam. There we go. <laughs> going to keep these guys separated. They sent for Jeroboam. He and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said to him, Katie, you ready? You have to repeat after me. Your father, Your father put a heavy yoke on us. Put a heavy yoke on us. But now lighten, but now lighten the harsh labor, the harsh labor and, the heavy yoke and the heavy yoke he put on us. He put on us. And we will serve you. And we will serve you. Now, Rehoboam answered. You ready? Go away. Go away. For three days. For three days. And come back to me. Come back to me. And I will give you an answer. And I will give you an answer. Good job. So go away. <laughs> Wait three days. <laughs> King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. And they replied, if today you will be a servant of these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders that the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and who were serving him. And he asked them, what is your advice? Say, what is your advice? What is your advice? How should we answer these people? How should we answer these people? Who say, lighten the yoke your father put on us. To the young men replied that he had grown up with, they said, these people have said to you, your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make, your, make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, now say this, my little finger. My little finger. Hold it up like that. Let them see it. This one. There you go. My little finger. My little finger. Is thicker. Is thicker. Than my father's waist. Than my father's waist. Oh. That's like, that's like threat time. It's on. My father. My father. Laid on you. Laid on you. A heavy yoke. A heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you. My father scourged you. With whips. With whips. I will scourge you. I will scourge you. With scorpions. I will scourge you with scorpions. That sounds so sweet. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> My father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with scorpions. Uh, with whips, I will scourge you with scorch. Katie, why would you say such a thing? Natty, why would you say such a thing? <laughs> Here's the point. Rehoboam 
missed an opportunity here to do the right thing. And it happens with us all far too often. We miss an opportunity to do the right thing. And when we miss that opportunity, there, there comes a ripple effect. And we're going to get to that in a second. Jeroboam and the Israelites are hurt and they're angry. Let's see you're hurt, angry. Yeah. Oh, that's good, angry and hurt. They've practiced that at home. And how is this ever going to get resolved? Well, the good news is our God is bigger than this whole issue. And there is a resolution coming. It may not be the resolution you think it should be, though. The resolution is seen in 1 Kings chapter 12, verses 16 through 17. And there are some pretty harsh reactions in verses 18 and 19. When all Israel saw that the king refused to listen to them, they answered, and by the way, you guys, you're all Israel. You ready? They answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel. Look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. Don't leave yet. Don't. Sit down. I saw you. Some of you reaching for your keys already. Uh, <laughs> it's dangerous to do things like this, Hunter. Uh, so, <laughs> Israel. Then we jump down to verse 17. And, and it says, But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. King Rehoboam sent out Adoniram. Hunter is now Adoniram who was in charge of forced labor, but all of Israel stoned him to death. Die again. <laughs> However, <laughs> he managed to, King Rehoboam managed to get in his chariot and escape to Jerusalem. All right, you're not dead anymore. Get back up. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Now, here's what I need you guys to do. Bring those paper dolls over here, please. One on one end, one on the other. Like, right here, yeah. Come right here. Just kind of stretch them out. All right. Now you go over there about the middle. Nope. Go back down that way a little bit. You're going to stand in the middle of them. Go ahead. There we go. Hunter, you're going to hold the blue. Hold the blue one and a pink one. There you go. And a pink one. you got to touch the pink one too. There you go. It's, it's pink. Now, I want you guys to all pull different directions. Pull. Pull. Hunter, pull like this. Good. <laughs> only, only the tribe of Judah remained loyal to the house of David. Listen to 1 Kings 20.20. 20. When all the Israelites heard that Jeroboam had returned, they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over all Israel. Here's the resolution, folks. Because of all this, the nation is divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom is made up of the ten tribes. Where is um, where's Jeroboam? Where's my Jeroboam? Here you are. Okay. You get this. And you get this. It's your kingdom. Don't crumble them up. Come over here. <laughs> Jeroboam and the northern kingdom, they're headed over this way. A little bit further. Perfect. Whoa, stop. Right there. Okay. The northern kingdom is called Israel, and it's ruled by Jeroboam. But the southern kingdom... Hold up your two paper dolls. Let them see that you have two. Don't rip them. Keep them together. Good enough. All right. The southern kingdom is two tribes, Judah and Benjamin. And these two tribes are going to be ruled over by Rehoboam. Now here are the themes. We're going to bring this all together. The upper story theme, God has a plan to get us back. And God keeps his promise. Because here the nation, they're torn in two. 
Everything is divided. It looks like all is lost, but God still has a plan that's better than what we know. And over here is, is this upper story going on where God keeps His promise to Abraham, to Moses, and to David. And also, on this other side, the lower story, the same thing is seen in Jeroboam. The ripple effects of our decisions, the ripple effects of Solomon's decisions affected Jeroboam. And Jeroboam's decisions led to a split in the nation because Jeroboam wouldn't wait. It led to a split in the nation. And you know what? This is what happens when we allow our hearts to become divided. This is what happens when we don't resolve conflict and disagreement in God's church. Before we go on, you guys have a seat. Good job. Thank you very much. Well done. Um, but that, that's what happens. The ripple effect of what we do causes things like this. With Jeroboam and Roboam, it was a whole nation, a whole kingdom was torn in two. Our selfish decisions have a ripple effect on all of the people around us. Sometimes the ripple effect, it can divide families. It can divide friendships, just like they divided the kingdom of Israel. In the same way, our decisions can have a negative impact. They can have a positive impact as well. As we come to our response time this morning, I want you to consider your decisions. I want you to consider how they've impacted your family. I want you to consider how your decisions have impacted your business or your job or the way you manage your money or the way you live in your neighborhood. But, but don't just think in terms of this past week. Think in terms of generations to come behind you. What will your great-grandchildren say of you? What do you want someone to read about you? What do you want people to say about you? And then today, think of your life. Consider the ripple effect of your decisions. God has a plan, and He can enter into your life if you invite Him. He can turn your life into a story of great positive impact on others. He can help you transform your ripple effect into waves that are positive rather than a ripple effect of negativity that drowns those around you. I'm not sure where you are today in your story. Maybe you've become a kingdom torn in two yourself, trying to be too many things and going in too many directions. Maybe today you need to ask God to help you start a new story. If that's you, if that starts with repentance and rededicating yourself to the Lord, come on down. The elders are here. They're gonna, they'll pray with you. They'll encourage you as you make that decision. Maybe for you it's time that your story includes submission to Jesus Christ in baptism for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's time for you to just get to work for the kingdom. You know the story God is writing on your life, and, and it requires you to become active, serving and impacting the community around you. Maybe that's where you are. Come and partner with us today at Huntsville Christian Church as we do just that. I want to share with you a little bit of something about our response song this morning. It's Come Thou Fount. It was originally written in 1757 by Robert Robinson. Robert was eight years old at the time that his father died. Uh, the story says that he was a very bright, headstrong boy. Uh, most of you parents and grandparents know what that means when there's a headstrong boy in the mix. And young Robert, he just got in trouble. He, he became difficult for his mother to handle. When he turned 14, she sent him to London for an apprenticeship with a barber. And he continued to get even in more trouble and more trouble, taking on life of, of drinking and gambling and by the age of 17, 
Robert and some of his drinking buddies decided to attend an evangelistic meeting. And their plan was to make fun of everything that was going on. There, there was an upper story happening there too, by the way. Because when George Whitfield began to preach, Robert felt as if the sermon was just for him. He didn't respond to that message that night, but the story says that the words of the evangelist would haunt him for the next three years. On December 10th, 1755, at age 20, Robert finally yielded his life to Christ, and very soon after, he answered a call to the ministry. Three years later, as he was preparing to preach a sermon at the, um, in Norfolk, England, Robert wrote, Come Thou Fount. And he wrote it to compliment his sermon. Now, why does that matter? What, what does that have to do with Solomon's broken legacy and a kingdom torn in two? The way I see it, Robert Robinson, much like us, allowed the lower story of his life to dictate his decisions. And for that first part of his life, with the death of his father, he just grew up torn in two, so to speak. Even when he heard the word of God, he admitted that, that what he heard he felt was written specifically for him. He still continued in his struggles and in his battles needlessly. For three more years, as he allowed himself to be torn in two by the world and his friends, rather than submit to what he knew was right. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, don't wait three more years to submit to the Lord. Don't wait three more minutes. Start now. As we sing our response time this morning, I pray that your response will be from that one refrain where it says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Let your legacy start fresh today. Allow God to begin writing or rewriting your story because it's time for us to be united to God and to no longer allow Satan in this world to cause us to be a kingdom torn in two. Will you stand and sing with us and respond to God's word today? Amen. It's been great to be here with you all today and to worship with you. But now it's time to go. As you go this week, consider Solomon and Jeroboam and the ripple effect of the decisions that they made. Think of your own life and your family. Think of the ripple effects that you have made. It's never too late to change your legacy. Think about that as you read your story Bible this week and as you put some of what you read and learn into action. God doesn't want us to just read his story. He wants us to live it. Have a great week.